Welcome to another edition of Shoulda Backed It. It was third time lucky for Australia's boom sprinter nature strip in the Everest, holding off a fast-finishing mass crusader in the $15 million race. Meanwhile, in the Caulfield Cup, incentivised put on a dominant display to easily win the great race and set himself up for a tilt at the Melbourne Cup. To talk me through all the winners he picked on the weekend is Australia's number one tipster, Chris Fenuccio. Okay, how are you going, Big V? Um, was it Nature Strip or Incentivise that had you off your couch yesterday? Well, hello, Phil. No doubt it was Nature Strip. He looked home at the 200 and all of a sudden, Mass Crusader came out of nowhere and he's just held on. But, you know, it got me excited, got me out of the seat and I was uh, pretty happy with that result because I was, I've been with Nature Strip the whole way from his last start run, stuck with him. And it paid off, and he's paid a good price in the end, three seventy. Can't complain with that. You've got the same highlight for the weekend coming out of the Everest. I wouldn't quite say that, Big V. I've actually got uh, Nature Strip as my should have backed it for the week. Uh, I should have listened to you again, mate. The first, uh, second time in a couple of weeks of uh, haven't followed you in, but tell you what, I had a little nibble on Mars Crusader, and that's got to be one of the. Uh, I know that was a very strongly run race, but. That'd be one of the quicker final furlongs you'll ever see, wouldn't it? Yeah, that was just a phenomenal performance. He's missed the start as he's been doing. He's just very slow out of the barriers, and he's just, he's just dawdling out. But that was a sensational run, and I think it, because of what he's been doing out of the barriers, that that's the reason why he's paid twelve dollars because he's a much better chance than that. But I think the punters were willing to take him on because he drew wide. He's got a habit of starting slowly. I think a race for him might be down the Flemington Strait, which I think that's where they're going to. So even if he does miss the start at Flemington, you're not too far off the leaders, and I think that looks really suitable for him. So he might he'll come up against Nature Strip again at Flemington for the BRC Sprint, and that you know that might be the race for him where he can turn the tables on him. Yeah, as we've discussed a lot on this podcast, Big V, it's become a really bad habit for Mars Crusader. And, you know, who, who knows what happens if he does, you know, jump the gates with the rest of the horses yesterday. But you have to think they would have been a really good chance of winning. Probably still would have settled back and had to do a, you know, weave its way through the field. But, yeah, just an amazing sort of last 50, 100 metres for me. It had a little bit of Chautauqua feel to it. Like if he's a pair closer, if he's settling in where Libertini or Embracer was in the run, I think he wins the race. It's just, you know, pair back, he's got to go through traffic. You know, getting a pair closer, he might have been able to go to the outside and have some clear running for longer, and that could be the, the difference in the results. I just was going to ask if, did you jump off Classic Legend in the end? No, no, Classic Legend was certainly my main bet for the race, and I actually thought he settled back a little bit too far as well. I expected him to be at least one pair closer, and if he was, could have really been in the finish. I think really the first five horses over the line, uh, you could all argue, were very good runs, and, you know, it's obviously a high-quality race, so there can only be one winner. But I was pretty happy with the run, to be honest. You know, has it only run once in the last year, and I just don't think coming out four or five wide at Randwick is the place to be at the moment. Um, you know, it's, I think, just a little bit of an advantage to be up the front and in that inside part of the track. Yeah, I think there was a few races where they were able to make up ground. So I think it played pretty fairly considering, but, you know, being on speed did help as well. But, you know, a few close finishes. I think uh, Classic Legend was going to be tough for him first up in a race like the Everest after a long break. 
So he's done a, a pretty good job. You know, maybe they might push on, give him one more run. Maybe they'll give him a spell and come back in the autumn where I think he'll be a lot better. He too, I like to see at Flemington during the autumn for maybe the new market than the TJ. So, yeah, I'd be keen to see Classic Legend in the autumn. The other run I wanted to touch on was Eduardo. You know, well supported, 550 to 420. Actually, had a, a mate of mine give me a call and he got a, a big tip for Eduardo. So the money came for him. I thought there was a few surprise tactics with Home Affairs and Wild Ruler. Home Affairs, you know, taking on Nature Strip and Eduardo for the lead. I, I would have thought, you know, particularly being the stablemate of Nature Strip, I would have thought they would have sat just behind those two horses. And I thought that made you know, Eduardo's run pretty good as well because Nash has just held back a little bit. He didn't fight Home Affairs for the lead. And I was surprised that Wild Ruler also went forward and was posted four wide next to Nature Strip. And, you know, that was his race done. He's finished nine lengths last. So those two, the tactics on those two horses, Home Affairs and Wild Ruler, did surprise me. Yeah, it was an interesting one because we, I think most of us expected Eduardo and Nature Strip to be out the front battling away as they have on numerous occasions. And I'm not sure if it was a tactic of Eduardo to sit back this time and not be that horse that took on Nature Strip. Um, maybe maybe to make sure he could get the 1,200 metres, or whether that uh, other two horses coming into the fray just meant that that was the way it panned out. But ultimately, I think it helped Nature Strip. I think Nature Strip likes to have that bowling along lead by itself, doesn't really like to be eyeballing other horses. And we've seen when it has eyeballed Eduardo that Eduardo tends to have the, the wood over Nature Strip. Yeah, I think it's, there's a bit of that. I think with um, Eduardo, yeah, I think he can be a little bit susceptible at the end of the 1,200. And, and I think the way Home Affairs came out of the barriers and was challenging for that, that leading position, I think that's that made Nash's decision for him. So that was pretty smart riding by him. And also because of that, you know, Nature Strip wasn't eyeballing the horse. Even though he had Home Affairs for a bit of company, there was a, there was a you know, a horse gap between them. So he wasn't eyeballing another horse, although... Home Affairs was putting on a little bit of speed as well. Yeah, for sure, Big V. But I must say, the Everest is is now, for me, right up there as one of the, the races I just look forward to the most in every season now. For me, it was much more exciting, and I, I know we're going to talk about it incentivised in a, sec, in a second, and it's really dominant and exciting win. But the Everest is what got me off the couch as well yesterday, Big V, which is, I guess, a little bit of a concern for the, for the Melbourne racing team down there. But... I guess, or adds to the colour and the excitement of the day. Yeah, still, uh, the coffee cup was still pretty big, and I suppose it just sees whether how the, the BRC sprint field measures up, because now that they've got the classic legend stakes, you know, where they give the bonus for Everest runners, usually we'll see this same field come down to Melbourne for the Group 1, but they might be split now. Some will stay in Sydney and some will come down to Melbourne. You also had the Sydney Stakes where you got a couple of promising sprinters out of that, like Big Parade. You know, he, he might be running in an Everest next year, but I don't think he'll be coming down to Melbourne for a race on Derby Day for that 1,200-metre race. That would be, you know, suitable for him. Instead, they might stay in Sydney for that Classic Legend Stakes. So that's the race where I'm not too keen on having on the calendar because that stops 
these horses coming to Melbourne, although racing New South Wales, you know, they've done a great job to boost up their carnival. It's just some of these races that are designed to stop horses coming down to Melbourne, whereas the Everest did fit a hole in the program. The, the, the classic legend stakes really doesn't do that. Yeah, it's a fair point, Big V. And I think one of the reasons that I uh, maybe got a little bit more excited about the Everest yesterday was the crowd, which was nice to see on course there too, up in Sydney. But we'll move over now to Caulfield. And, yeah, we'll start with Incentivizer's win. Um, about as dominant as you'll get in a race like the Caulfield Cup. Um, first time in a long time we haven't had a international raider in the field. And I'm not sure if that took the depth out of the race, but Incentivize probably couldn't have had a tougher run and, yeah, just blew them away. Never looked like it was going to lose. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance, and I was a bit worried when Ollie on Delphi decided to hold his ground and keep incentivised posted five wide. I, I just thought, you know, Damien Oliver was riding to beat one horse rather than letting riding to the what was unfolding after they jumped from the barrier. So Delphi's is posted four wide, and so he's got to make a move and try and go forward. Whereas I thought, you know, incentivise would, would jump, go f- look f- to go forward, and Delphi would get his backside and shadow him throughout the race. Instead, their positions are reversed on the map. So, yeah, I just thought, you know, you know, Ollie there may have erred in in trying to be too smart and keep incentivise posted out wide. Yeah, particularly given the result now, we we know that. Wouldn't have mattered what Delphi had done yesterday. Incentivise was going to win that race. So, yeah, sometimes you can um, impact your own horse's chances. But we had a couple of decent runs in behind Incentivise. I know it won by three and a half lengths, but, of course, non-conformist, big run there. Persan uh, came in at $41, ran third, and, you know, might be a sneaky little chance in the Melbourne Cup moving forward. And, yeah, I thought Montefilia's run was quite good as well, travelling three wide the trip as well. Yes, I like the run of Nonconformist and Montefilia. I think in their past couple of runs, we're starting to see a bit more. Su- we're starting to see a lot of substance about those two horses now. So they're, you know, they're good prospects going forward. But I think Incentivise is still the one to beat for the Melbourne Cup. I think his last thousand was running really good time for a twenty-four hundred meter race. Even though Passan will be better suited at thirty-two hundred. I think Incentivise has got this field for the Melbourne Cup still. Oh, 100%. I was just saying it was a good run for Passan in, in the context of the Melbourne Cup. But, yeah, Incentivise, clearly the top pick for the Melbourne Club, Cup now. Looked like it could have done another lap, to be honest, Big V, it was, and just moving away from that field. Um, have you got any, got any insights on the horses that are coming internationally for the Melbourne Cup? Will there be any s- surprise or sneak Sneaky Raiders that we need to think about, Big V? No, you got that's a question at short notice, but I don't have to have all the answers yet, mate. I don't I don't think so because you, they've got to be in quarantine and and you know, get on the flight. So I don't think there'd be too many changes. I think Spanish Mission and Twilight Payment are the main ones and we'll just and see we'll just wait and see which horses get off the plane. But I, I don't think there's gonna be you know too many. I will head along to another race within the Caulfield card. It was quite a good card yesterday at Caulfield and a number of Group 2, Group 3 races that took place. And we'll go to your Should Have Backed It for the week, which was in Race 5, the Neds Classic, which was won and run and won by Gunstock. Yeah, and he's paid a good price too, $3.80. And, you know, when I was doing the form for the, 
the Caulfield. I did the first four races and I've, I've tipped all favourites. And you get to the fifth race and you <laughs> you see another favourite and you think, oh, I can't. <laughs> can't tip another favourite on top. We'll see if we can get this one beat. And I've settled on Micro coming out of that Stutt Stakes form behind. You know, Forgot You, who, who ran well in the Caulfield Guineas. Only 1.1 lengths behind Forgot You. So I thought, you know, maybe, you know, this might be the form line that, you know, it might be better for the Norman Robertson. But uh, I just think, you know, stepping up from 16 to 2,000, uh, that was Micro just... Didn't see it at that trip, whereas Gunstock was a bit unlucky to start before and, you know, was the one that was to follow from that race in the um, superimpose and, you know, he's paid a pretty good price here, you know, 380 so I think that's the one that got away for me. Yeah, it's fair enough, BB. It was quite a dominant win in the end and um, it'd be nice to uh, just take a look at that horse moving forward about where it might go next and you might even find that it's in my horses to follow uh, later yeah. on. You go straight to the derby now. Yeah. You, you'd be a contender. There's a few good chances in the derby like Forgot You and the Totsu. So I think those two horses will have another run before the derby because they're coming from a 1,600-metre race. The second horse in the Nets Classic, Al Hatchery Philly in the race. And, you know, she looked like she gave the race a really good shake and she looked like she was going to win at the top of the straight before Gunstock was stronger late. And I think of the, the the Phillies was the race before in the ethereal won by Daisies, but I think Al Patroness has that field covered going towards the Oaks. Well, we might go back to that race actually, Big V, because it contains my should have sacked it for the week. That's the ethereal stakes uh, race four there, and Kapalua Sunset went around at about two dollars, two dollars fifteen. Uh, I thought a little bit too short in such a big field. Um, had some excuses in the run, but. Was never in it, uh, and I was pretty disappointed with, us, with myself there, Big V, and actually gave myself a little two-race suspension after putting that bet on because it was a pretty average effort. Yeah, I wouldn't jump off Kapalua Sunset. It was a good performance to start before. I don't think things went accordingly. It was a very slow tempo. I mean, Brett Preble got a position behind the leader, but because in these races where they go so slow, it gets really bunched up and, you know, you're getting horses that are three wide. They're coming from, they're going too slow at the back, so they're trying to make up ground and you've got all these horses three wide and you find yourself getting shuffled back. You had nowhere to go. Had to go back to last and round them. I did expect Kapalua Sunset to make up more ground, even though there was no chance of winning. But we'll see. Maybe, you know, they'd put her away and we might see a better horse come the autumn. There's nothing worse than that, mate. When you you the favourite lobs up in that in that position, just second second on the fence, and you can see the hundred to one shot is the leader, and then they do that and it gets shuffled all the way back, and <laughs> you can see your money going straight down the the drain um, as you're watching that unfold. But speaking of money going straight down the drain, Big V, you were on Zutori in the Moonga Stakes, didn't you? Listen to our preview podcast and take a take heed of my best bets, uh, which was Buffalo River. Yeah, I probably should have listened to you, but I went with the class, Zutori, and yeah, I think Zutori doesn't handle the wet track, so I was surprised that, you know, there was a bit of money for him, 380 into 340 late, and yeah, he was under pressure a long way from home, but he's, to his credit, he's really, you know, kept on going, and he did fight back late, so... 
you know, he can bounce back on a good track at Flemington. But I just thought, um, yeah, I made the mistake going with Victoria. Should have gone with Buffalo River, who likes to a heavy track. And I think that's, although he hasn't won on a good track, he's not hopeless on it, as we mentioned before. But with heavy tracks, he likes it. You know, the opposition, not necessarily so. And that's how he's able to get a break on the field and hold on. Yeah, um, it was a pretty safe watch, easy watch there on Buffalo River. And it was a little bit interesting that Zutori ran. I think you texted me uh, maybe the day before the race and just said, oh, I reckon Zutori is going to scratch tomorrow, but didn't. What do you think the logic was there? Because it really wasn't really set out well at all for it. No, probably they just gave it a run just to set it up for that sprint race on Derby Day. But I don't know if Zutori is a better horse earlier in his prep and where there's a better fresh horse, so we'll see. Maybe because he's had this run now, I might be against him going back to Flemington next start. I might be looking at that, you know, at Kennel Pass, because I had those two horses, you know, as a 50-50 decision to make. So that might, you know, sway me to go to to Kennel Pass, but we'll just wait and see what the, the makeup of the field is. Yeah, Zutori, you, you touched on a good point there. I think has a a sensational record in its first two starts of a prep, but does seem to peter away from the third start onwards. And I wonder if they were just trying something a little bit different this time to get the horse going because, yeah, it does sort of drop away as the prep rolls on. Uh, A horse that will only get bigger and better, though, as I I think as his prep moves on, is Colette. And it's winning the Tristark Stakes. Um, Looked under a little bit of pressure on the turn, but I, I suspect, you know, 1400 coming back to 1400 meters didn't quite have that sprint but when uh when when everything got serious big v it went straight past him and won quite convincingly yeah i think you're spot on there and i think that's a sign that she probably was looking for further i mean they were setting her up for a caulfield cup and she had that setback so she had a lot of fitness behind behind her and it's just finding you know suitable race for her because, you know, the gap between runs. So they've gone 16 back to 14. She loves the heavy track. I think that's helped her once she was able to balance up and she was really strong in that last 400. So I think if you were back, if you backed her, there would have been a, a few nervous moments. But if if she was running in if she was running in this race, you know, first up or second up and had no problems behind her, she would have been, a, you know, maybe a $1.80 chance, $1.70 chance. And... You know, the market allowed you to get on because there was some, um, you know, question marks about her. And, you know, good luck to those who, you know, stuck with her. I was a bit surprised that Pride of Jenny was short in the market, 360. I thought I had her as my fourth pick. Oh, she would have been elevated the third pick after Shiloh Gratch. I, I just thought maybe that tough run to start before, you know, might have been hard for her to back up. So I was, you know, I, so I can't explain why she's been well supported into the 360. Yeah, well, you ended up getting a really good price, Colette, in the end, as you just mentioned there, Big V, and I was a little bit surprised by that. I guess the argument might have been that it wasn't obviously Colette's grand final and that she's got a couple other big runs in her this prep, but, gee, when you, when you saw that the track came up a heavy eight on Saturday morning, I, I put a lot through her yesterday, mate, I can assure you, because um, I just looked really well set up, and she just looked several classes above this field, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was a big run from Steinem, the runner-up, stepping up from a benchmark 70 over 1,200 to a, a group two, 
she was a favourite for an SA Oaks and the race didn't go to plan for her, so she'll get better over further. Yeah, that's right. And that's not a nice segue, Big V, because Steinem is one of my horses to follow. And we are, we'll move on to our horses to follow now. As you just said, really nice performance in behind Collette yesterday. Big step up. And yes, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on Steinem moving forward, as I will with Gunstock, as we've already mentioned, after its big win. And we'll see how that derby field comes together uh, over the next week or so. Um, I mean, the other obvious horse to follow is Incentivise. I mean, that's not going to. I don't need to be. You don't need us to be telling you that. But yeah, you look. You do look at that now as really being a strong favourite for the Melbourne Cup. And um, I'll be keen to have a look, Big V. I actually haven't had a look at what price Incentivise is at the moment for the Melbourne Cup. No, I think at a guess maybe around two eighty. So in a twenty-four horse field, I think once you get into final fields, uh, you know, maybe you might be getting a bit better if you if you hold off, but I. Uh, just back on incentivise. I was a bit slow to back it at the two eighty. I thought I'll wait to the jump and you know, just kept on coming in all the way to two thirty. So I was a, a bit asleep at the wheel. That was a bit um that, just sorry there, Big V, but that was a little bit like Animo last week, wasn't it? Where it kind of hovered around that two fifty, two sixty mark most of the week, got out to about two eighty, but then yeah, just before the jump really got crunched, so I was watching with a little bit of horror as <laughs> Incentivise was flying in as well and, and tried to jump in before, before the market crashed out. But, yeah, just it's interesting that it, it does seem to be a bit of a pile-on with good, the horses at the moment. Yeah, but it came, you know, about 15, 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes before, before they jumped. So I thought, you know, when it was 280 to 250, I thought, you know, maybe when they get, you know, closer to, to the start time, it might push out a little bit more, but it didn't happen. So I didn't want to jump on at 260 and then, you know, five minutes before the race, it gets back out to 280, 290. Mm. But that didn't happen. It was just all one way, getting shorter. So I just had to jump on and take what I could get. In terms of my horses to follow, El Patroness will be a good chance for the Oaks. And from the last race, the Caulfield Sprint, the first two, Oxley Road and Malkovich, I think Oxley Road can keep winning. Malkovich, I think, is a 1,000 to 1,100-metre max horse. So be interesting to see if there's a race suitable for them over the Flemington Carnival. Yeah, that was a good battle in the last there. And Malkovich, I think the jockey there, might have been Damien Lane, dropped the whip with a few hundred metres to go. So I wonder, I do wonder how that would have panned out if he did manage to hold on. But, uh, yeah, Oxley Road, impressive. So, yeah, good call on those because there was a massive gap back to third in that particular race. Yeah, I think they're two really good horses. I I was with Malkovich and you know just got uh, pipped by Oxley Road. I wasn't sure about Oxley Road um, in this class, but I think um, no, I'm, I'm convinced. I think Oxley Road is a pretty good horse, and as I said before, I think he can keep going on with it. Yeah. Good call, Big V. Now, that's uh, all we've got time for on today's show. Um, I will say that we'll be doing another preview show this week for the Cox Plate, but we won't ask you for your top tip yet, Big V, because punters will have to wait till Friday, which will give you a few extra days to have a bit of a think, see what the weather's going to be like, track conditions, see if anything happens through the week. But please do listen to that preview show. Big V is on absolute fire at the moment. Anyone that pulled together a Big V multi would be very happy with themselves uh, over the last couple of weeks. You, you must be going all right yourself, Big V, with all these best bets getting up. Yeah, the past couple of weeks have been pretty good. I think my past five best bets have 
have won. So it's good to build the confidence and build a little bit of a bank and hopefully keep it going for the Valley and get really get stuck into Derby Day in two weeks. Well, Big Val, I was a bit disappointed because all four of our best bets got up this week. And if you'd multi those four horses up, I reckon you would have got a very, very healthy price. And I usually do something along those lines just as a bit of interest, and I didn't do it. So um, missed opportunity, but hopefully Cox Plate Day, we can uh, replicate that. Yeah, when you do it, there's always one that misses out. And when you <laughs> decide not to, yeah, that's when they, they all get up. Yeah, but it was a, another good day for punters and, yeah, certainly a good day for the preview show. So please do take a listen. Check out the app should have backed it Twitter handle to see it posted there or check it out on any of your normal apps that you listen to podcasts on. But that's all we've got time for. Thanks again, Big V. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for giving us all your best bets. And we will see you again on Friday. And as always, to the punters, good luck on the punt.